Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. All right, we're recording, guys. Let's drop nice. a fat beat. It, yeah. <laughs> Wait, when you ask, when I asked you to pray, I, I kind of felt like I was asking you to drop like a freestyle rap. Never really mm-hmm. thought about it like that. Dude, drop that prayer. <laughs> oh man, that's reminds me of Talladega Nights a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> My little baby Jesus. <laughs> Seven pound, five ounce, baby Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little bit, guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've seen both of you since our last cast. Wow, face to face in person face during a pandemic. Face. During a pandemic, mask to mask, should we say? Mm-hmm. That's not true. I didn't <laughs> wear a mask. Yeah, but we were with we were with friends. We were at home. Rob got to see your rectory. That thing is sweet, dude. Yeah, man. It's a nice place. And got to see it was good to parents. see you. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. good to see you too, man. It really was. Chicago is colder than it how is. How did that tent work out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> it was really cold. But it was, dude, it was so fun. It was so <laughs> fun, man. Just hanging out with Porter, and um, <laughs> we didn't use so so for for the listeners who don't know, we did a, a cross country trip from Chicago to Atlanta. Did I explain this on the last podcast? Did we? I think I cut it. I cut it out. Did you cut it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to do a mandatory financial training on online. So it was it was a virtual man mandatory ongoing formation for. Yeah, it was to improve financial literacy, which was some exciting stuff, dude. Let me tell you. And I decided to put a tent on my roof of my car. And uh, after I went up for Bishop Bob's ordination, did a cross-country trip from Chicago down to Atlanta through the Appalachian Mountains with a buddy. And we would uh, just tune in virtually uh, on the ride and learn about finances. (laughs) as we were trekking through the mountains and it was exactly what i needed and it was exactly what i hoped it would be uh it was great to be with porter and dude our country is so beautiful i love uh i love america and yeah but it it was really cold I'll, i'll tell you that we we got snowed on a little bit in uh in oakland maryland which is just north of West Virginia. It's like a, a western portion of Maryland. And then, yeah, we just scooted down the Appalachians, but it was it was super-duper fun. And it was, dude, it was super fun being back in Chicago. I forgot I lived there for seven years. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it's great to see you guys. Don't forget us. I won't. I won't. Yeah, your vehicle is awesome too. I love your car. It's a, it's a tank. That thing is a tank. Yeah, it was perfect, and we we put it to the test, man. We uh, so we didn't use a GPS on our cross country trip. We just bought a big atlas and plotted 
the locations of where we were supposed to go. And Paul navigated on the map. Oh, and the last time Paul navigated it was a very <laughs> bad experience for me. So Jeez. I'll God bless you. <laughs> Trigger warning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so much legitimacy to that. Uh <laughs> Just a brief note on that. We almost got ran over by a number of trains in Bordeaux. France. And it wasn't, yeah, in France. And it, and it wasn't because the trains were going the wrong direction. <laughs> so I'll just tell you that. Or, and it wasn't because the trains were going on the road. On the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah either. Yeah. It was. Uh, oh, that's scary. Yeah, it was stupid. He oh. would literally turn on the train tracks. <laughs> In opposition to what our GPS was telling us, like Paul, if we if we survive this, I'm gonna murder you. Get on the road, dude. So we just used this map and uh, and we took like a bunch of back roads. No GPS. It was just so fun, man. So we're like using key terrain features and different highway intersections to figure out exactly where we are and. Um, went through a bunch of national um, national parks and little state forests here and there. And um, at one point, uh, I don't know if I'll describe this well, but we had a campsite that was off the off one of the, like the main highways, but it didn't have all of the back roads that you needed to take to get there. And so we just kind of had it plotted on the map in the middle of the woods. And we, <laughs> so we got generally close and then we just used the compass on the car to, um, reconnoiter in the right direction towards where we knew that this plot point was from a key terrain feature and just tried to make it there. And we got super duper close. Um, but we ultimately d didn't make it. We actually didn't get there, uh, because the plot point that we had was just on the other side of the mountain. So mm. by the way, by the way that the, you know, the, the crow flies, we were probably less than half a mile away from our campsite, but we were on the wrong side of the mountain. <laughs> mm. So oh my we gosh. had to go. Yeah. I mean, we Man, tried. If that, if that isn't a metaphor for life, I don't know what is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so then we had to go so then we were actually 20 minutes of a drive away, even though uh, we were almost on the campsite. We, we were, again, just on the wrong side of the mountain. Uh, we, we probably could have walked to it in like five minutes, but we had to drive down the mountain, uh, get back on the highway, and then kind of go around to... It was, it was poorly marked. If, if I'll just say that, the signage was poorly marked. Okay. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you learned your lesson. Did we? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's still worth it. I like the idea that you're actually using the compass on your car. It was so fun. Gosh. Sometimes I use it at night when the sun is not visible. I'll mm -hmm. be like, am I, am I heading in the right direction? It feels wrong. And I'll look at my compass and it's... Although I'm not sure mine is working great. It's one of those digital ones where it just is... It only has eight options. Is that is it eight? Yeah, it's the the cardinal directions and then like southwest, northeast, etc. Yeah. And usually when I think I'm going due east, it says either northeast or southeast. 
And so I'm not a hundred percent sure that it's, that it's right. Yeah. But no, you've my, got a, like an analog compass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's legit. Yeah. Your whole car, man. It just is like, it just screams like I am, I'm off the grid, man, but, and my machine serves me. It's like a hit <laughs> <from> Night Rider. <laughs> yeah. We, we do. We took full advantage of that. Uh, we did some serious off wheel and some, uh, at one point I had it on f- four wheel drive low where it's mm-hmm. like, they call it the crawl mode. And so we were just like crawling up these mountains. <laughs> it, was so fun. <laughs> it was like simultaneously terrifying because you're like, Oh gosh, if we get stuck here, this oh, would gosh. be awful. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, Made it through it, and um, and we had a tent strapped to our roof the whole time. So it was just, it was absurdly fun. And we would just buy steaks and cook huge, buttered up steaks in the evenings. And I mean, it was really cold. That's that's the coldest I've camped in before. Mm. Um, but it's all right. The car was warm. The tent was sort of warm. So everything was good. It's good, baby. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good, baby. <laughs> so. Well, my update from last time is I got a new guitar. Oh, sweet, yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. Pretty wow. pumped. Pretty pumped. Is it a... What type? Fender? No, it's a Martin. Oh. Mm. It's a Martin acoustic. It's is it better though. than Fender? Uh, Well, Fender is a well-known electric guitar company they do make acoustics but they're not very good but martin is Ah. yeah it's 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 better is it a stratocaster (laughs) no no i'm just naming guitars that i know it's also an electric guitar oh stratocaster no it's just Mm. a acoustic electric you want to hear it yeah yeah oh dang it Oh, did you spill your coffee? No, my mic just hit the table. Oh. Hear that dulcet sound? Sounds good, dude. Thanks, my dudes. I actually wrote a new song. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Absolutely. Is it about me? No, but it's kind of about your little camping trip a little bit. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's not is. about your camping trips. Well, maybe. Camping trips. All right, let's see if you can. How's this? Can you hear me? Is it a good balance? I love the balance. All right. <clears throat> Sometimes I can't think. It's like I'm walking in my sleep And I don't know what to do Cause there's not much I can do about it And the world is all covered in machines Feels like I'm one more machine among machines Things that I've forgotten keep remembering me Think it might help to see the forest or the trees To just go gas up the car Go sleep under the stars Go see the world on fire 
Yeah, I think that'd be nice. dies but he'll rise and time always flies and that's all right and sometimes I can't see the snake that's coiled around my feet and the angels that beat their wings The way that light falls through deciduous trees And the autumn glow always gives way To winter's worn-out concrete gray The way that youth gives out and leaves Our childhood waits for us in longer days And this time we're able to see It's the fences that made us free For all eternity yeah, I think that'd be nice. Ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. The sun always dies, but he'll rise. And time always flies, but that's all right. Bravo. Nice, dude. Nice, uh, nice shout out to uh, our friend Megan in there as well. Yeah, I sent her that when I wrote it. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, psyched about her book too. Yeah, really pumped. Really pumped. Was there also a Chesterton reference in there? What did you think it was? Oh, talking about the fences. Yeah, nice, dude. Dang, bro. You're the first to uh, to notice that. That was good. How do you memorize those songs? I don't know. As I when I write one, I just play it like when I finish writing it, I'll play the thing like four or five times and it's just in there. Wow. Although like songs that I've written that I don't play often, I'll try to play and it takes me a couple times to and I don't really know where I wrote many of them down, so I'll usually <coughs> record them on voice memos <coughs> on my phone. And then just re-listen to them? Yeah, but, you know, they're somewhere in there with a date and a timestamp, and I don't know which one it is. I have like <laughs> 40,000 voice memos. Oh, do you? A bunch of That's riffs a of- and things that I've written. No, it's not that many. But 
<laughs> it's a, over a hundred, I'm sure. No way. Not is it just recording a lot of your music? Yeah, and I record my homily every week with it and post it on the oh, okay. Newman podcast. Okay. And but I label those as homilies. Mm. I say that's but not like I usually as I'm writing, um, I'll like figure out a riff or a, a melody line, and if I want to not forget that, I'm like I liked how that sounded, I'll, I'll record it. But it'll be just like a line of the song, or if I'm mm. thinking about like oh the chorus could sound like this or like that. I'll record a couple different versions and listen to them. But, you know, that's just, it's just my process, man. <laughs> it's all part of the process. It's all have you part sent of the that process. To, have you sent that to Joe? Yes. He, he helped me. Uh, I, I started writing it like a month or two ago and, uh, it was a different first verse and the second verse was not in it. And he, he said, cut the first verse and write a new second verse. And then I sent him this version. He's like vast improvement. IMO. In his what opinion. is that? In, in my, my opinion. opinion, in my <laughs> opinion, man, dude, that's so cool. That it's beautiful. Very cool, love man. It. Love it. Love Thanks. it. Thanks. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. waiting for some little, album art from my brother and then i'll i'll post it for without my morning voice hey your morning voice sounded great man it's like that episode of friends you ever watch that show i I very rarely watched it but in junior high the one where lisa cujo's character has a cold and she she's a musician and she sounds like really raspy and cool and then she gets over her cold and she doesn't sound good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we going to talk about, Rob? Um, oh gosh, I mean that was pretty. That was pretty good, right there. That song. That the only update I have. Full redemption arc. Got that deer. I texted you guys that picture. That was pretty. Full cool. redemption arc. Wow, this is like a. This is like where are they now episode. Yeah. <laughs> <Walmart. exactly>. Full <laughs> redemption arc. Um. Man, well, well, I have. I guess the most interesting thing I've read. I don't have this formulated at all, but I'm reading these essays right now by. Um, you guys know Heather King at all? No. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh! You seriously? You guys need to start reading Heather King. Like she's awesome. She's a uh, Catholic oh. author. I think she might live in California maybe, but she's a recovered alcoholic. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, I found her writing super honest and very, very faithful. I, I really liked it. So I got a, she wrote 50 essays, um, in this, in this book and they're about like 50 kind of off the beaten path saints. So they're not necessarily, um, canonized or even beatified, but just like stories of grace in, in their life. So she had just had like so many really, really cool ones. The one I read last night was, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's the guy who coined the term, the media is the message. Oh, Marshall McLuhan. Yeah. Marshall McLuhan. There you go. And it was very interesting. And I, I would need to go back and read it. If it was her point, if it was, if it was quoted to him or it was the point she was making at the end of the essay, but she was saying the only, um, in this like in this world the only irreducible medium 
is the Jesus in the Eucharist um, that like cannot be like reduced to to something else in either its expression or its um, acceptance, I guess. I just found that to be a very intriguing idea. I didn't really expect like that to come in the essay, but I just thought it was really cool. And I think our very, and it made me laugh because I think our very first podcast was called The Media is the Message. Is it not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I was talking about Neil Postman's book, Entertaining Ourselves to Death, or Amusing Ourselves <laughs> to Death, which he, he references McLuhan a lot. Um, that's interesting. So you said a medium that can be reduced. What what did he, remind me, do you remember what, what that oh, meant? Gosh. Um, that they so, were objectifying the subjective or <laughs> yeah, maybe is that it? Um, <laughs> the, what I think the, this is the basic way I read the point is that like it matters what the, literally the medium or like the person, the thing, whatever it is that expresses then the message or the truth. So if I say something, someone else will accept it um, based off of it coming from me. That's just mm-hmm. like a, a human reality. Whereas, so I, I guess in thinking about it now, like you can, yeah, maybe like continue to almost like parse that as well. It's like, okay, if this is the message, it comes from me, but like this person accepts it in like in this particular way because of like this and because of that and all of these other circumstances to where it is like there's, there is extreme, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. The only word that comes to mind would be like subjectiveness in, in how we're able to, um, not experience re- reality as as is, but how we understand and see the world, and that's all very like personal to um, to everyone. So it's a very interesting. I just yeah, I hadn't really thought about it too much past that, but uh, I can even go find it because it was just like the last, the very last paragraph. But that was her how she ended it would be like the only the only true irreducible medium would be jesus in the eucharist hmm. i hear some like knocking or something do you is that something hitting a table or maybe it's just a mic stand hit, knocking against something hmm. that's our medium that's people aren't going to trust our message because oh, gosh, they're hearing this dang. amateur audio oh, dang it no Whatever. i'm 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 floating in space here dude i'm set up in my hyperbolic sound chamber you're in the studio you're in the studio see that's the thing with this medium is that it sounds like we're in the i remember early on i think somebody was like wait you're not in the same room because our professional audio setup is so frictionless (laughs) and expensive like no we're we're uh talking over the wires and we're cutting out like half of everything i say because over the internet you know so it's doesn't no. sound like the rambling garbage that it is no that's not true we uh <clears throat> we leave everything up there total transparency total transparency it's all out there yeah yeah but we never do it live 
well once or twice we've done it live and do we have you done it more than once just once yeah we would we would have done it again but we didn't get invited no we did get invited we just said no (laughs) we yeah we actually did get invited thank you yeah Yeah. thanks for the invitation yeah meant a lot we remember it don't worry (laughs) you know it's funny uh it's funny you bring this up because kevin mcdonald remember him oh yeah 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 uh just what a character i believe he chose his diocese because it was the poorest at the time the poorest in the united states wow Uh, Wow. because he lived all over the place and he was in the navy and his parents moved around a lot so he had no he he was like this vagabond man like a saint francis character but phd in music keep talking i'm gonna make another cup of coffee so i'll be back but keep talking can you hear I'll me? be able to. Yeah, I'll be able to hear you. Okay. Um, yeah. So he he was a big McLuhan fan. He called me like a year or two after I was ordained, and he was traveling the country with his funk band uh, <laughs> as a way of evangelizing. He was playing like church halls, and he had this funk band that was kind of like Catholic commentary music on. Uh, Kind of like what uh, that first verse of my song that I was talking about, the world is all covered in machines. Like it was, I don't know if it was satire because it was such, it was not overly electronic music, but it was funk music. So it's a lot of uh, machines to make that happen. But that's funny. um, He used to say, he's a big McLuhan fan and medium is the message. And he thought he was very cynical about education or the way we do education as a uh, way of like, getting your rubber stamp of approval for jobs and things like that. Like, why do you need this degree to be like a business guy or, or whatever? Um, Like the love of learning is completely sublimated into this like achievement economics of, uh, you know, you have to get this many credits and write this paper and do this busy work so that this university can tell the world that you're smart or worthy or whatever. Uh, So he was our guy to have in class, I'm sure. But um, he was talking about how I think I I was editor of The Bridge at the time, that magazine for the seminary. And we did an issue where the Eucharist was the front cover picture in the monstrance. And um, he he gently kind of chastened me about that because like the Eucharist in adoration i mean the eucharist in general it's it's this personal encounter with jesus his body blood soul and divinity and to remove it i mean the the medium of photography takes a dynamic present physical object and makes it into an image it objectifies the subjective this subject which is personal is then removed from its context and then it's just on your coffee table or in your bathroom or or whatever and it's not, it's obviously not sacred because it's just an image of the image or image of the sacrament, the sacrament itself being an image a real living image of, of Jesus. And Jesus is a living image, the sacrament of God. Um, but you remove it one more layer in that medium. And then all of a sudden it just is emptied of its, its significance. It's just a, it's just pointing at a reality that is, that is real, but the pointing itself is not. And, um, I don't think he considered it a sacrilege. He just thought 
like at the time, and you still see this a lot, like a lot of things that are saying like, hey, we're this brand of Catholicism. We'll have pictures of the Eucharist or pictures of guys elevating the Eucharist or something like that um, as a way to like, we think this is important, but in a way it sort of empties it uh, because who can, I think I've mentioned this too, too before, but uh, is it Orson Welles, a famous old director, said there were two things that he never filmed, he never put, never put in his films, which was sex and prayer because to film something like that or to try to like make a facsimile of it in a photography image would completely not do it justice because mm. they're two things that are so intimate. Um, and it's almost a sacrilege to try to fake it and get a viewer to look from the outside at someone doing this yeah. and say like, I get what's going on there. Right. So that idea of like the Eucharist itself is a medium of it is it's a mediated way that god communicates himself to us but it's irreducible uh it made me immediately think of that i think yeah. kevin um it's you such a sure, mystery you mean sure yeah, like it's worth um this is the last few paragraphs of this essay um so heather king writes McLuhan did recognize that the real content of any given medium is the person who uses it this is a quote from McLuhan. There is a deep-seated repugnance in the human breast against understanding the processes in which we are involved, he observed. Such understanding involves far too much responsibility for our actions, end quote. And then this is King. She says, the world becomes ever more addicted to virtual reality, a pale and pathetic perversion of the way, the truth, and the life. There is one medium that contains no other medium, that is irreducible, that is the Alpha and Omega, that would be the real body and the real blood of Jesus Christ. Hmm. You know what I hear her saying there is like, um, in media or are for communication and that like that communion, community aspect of communication is like to be with one with someone, you know? So when we're talking, um, we're, we're using the medium of language, but also of audio, the internet, all this stuff. But in a way, one of the reasons why this podcast is such a smash hit and people are just kind of enthralled with it is because, <laughs> uh, you know, like we're communicating something, we're, we're trying to share our friendship and our own spiritual lives and, and things that to, to us are real. Um, uh, so we, we are one Although we are three persons, we are one podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that's <laughs> we are we are one body, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, but I mean that it's some it's tongue in cheek, but I mean it in, sincerely in a way, um, because the point of communication is to kind of get lost in the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like everything in human life, ultimately, is about that. You know, and and the things we use or try to get at that to be like to lose ourselves in another in order to be found are either good or bad at that you know yeah and the more you get removed from true communion the more shallow the more empty are those are those pleasures you know but yeah. it's all ultimately an attempt to do that um but with the eucharist with yeah with jesus i mean he's come 
the way, the truth, and the life to to draw us out of ourselves into Himself. Um, and I mean, it's even interesting the, the Eucharist is is consumed; it's drawn into us, but then we're drawn into it. We're drawn into Him and the life of the Trinity. And uh, there's no, I mean, with every other medium, with talking, I'm trying to, you know, sound smart or to get you to believe what I believe or or whatever. There's some manipulation where I'm imposing myself or, or trying not to be uh, opened and sacrificed and, and drawn into you. Rather, I'm trying to manipulate you or, or persuade you or, or something, some ego thing. You know what I mean? Whereas with the Eucharist, I mean, if, if you've had a, an experience, an authentic experience of contemplation from the Eucharist, you realize like, no, I have no control over this. Although he's made himself so disposable to me, you know, and apparently weak and helpless, I am drawn into this mystery in a way that um, myself is is not erased, but it's just, um, it's drawn into something bigger. You know what I mean? Uh, which is so genius. You know, I mean, 12 guys like fishermen and, and normal people could not have made this up, you know, that a genius intellect like Thomas Aquinas, you know, yeah. didn't he, I, I feel like I read somewhere that during the consecration, he used to, uh, used to like stop for hours and just look hmm. at the, at the Eucharistic elements. Yeah. Um, it would have been brutal on Sundays. I don't think he had enough of the, <laughs> his parishioners if he had any. Uh, but you know, like this mystery is so, it's so real, but, uh, that's, yeah. that's where it's like at, at, for evangelization. Sometimes I feel like I throw up my hands a little bit because how do you get people to imagine it? How do you, I mean, you, you just do it and you, you yourself must be drawn into this mystery, but you feel like there's so much going on and everybody thinks what's real is, is this stuff X, Y, and Z. And you're like, man, am I crazy for thinking this, you know? Um, because it's hard to get people to see, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, when I hear that, uh, did, so did you, did she say two different things were irreducible or was it essentially just, is it Jesus, Jesus in the Eucharist? Yeah. Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's, <clears throat> I guess I hear two different things is, um, I remember coming into seminary and having a real repugnance and, like uh, an intentional fighting back against the idea of relativism, and it it just drove me nuts. I I I didn't understand how anybody could believe that, and I didn't really have a full grasp of I think what it meant. Um, but a lot of it does come from I think the realization that like everybody internalizes their life experience as a particular subject, and so it's it's really all going to be different and it's all going to be relative. But the, I guess the, the solution and the peace came that, yeah, I mean, think things are relative, but they're relative to something they're relative to. And I guess the realization was that they're relative to someone and that Christ who is the irreducible one, like the Eucharist, Jesus, um, that really what I started to find is everything is relative to him, which means that he's like the dictator 
of 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 good and evil of truth and of untruth and um and so it helped me to take other people's subjective experience and pin them up against something actually objective and and to look at them correctly because instead of saying no it's not everything's not relative you know it's like yeah no things are relative and that is your personal experience but like how do you relate that to other people and really christ is the only irreducible objective person that like he allows all of us to as subjects to be connected objectively if that's if that's not too too confusing there but i guess another way of saying it's 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 like that's baron's god has to be the center like that's his three paths kind of a thing that christ is the only is the only force is the only being he's not a thing but um that can bear the weight of having everything else revolve around it well what was the oh go ahead sorry no it's it's just that is is everything else can be reduced or taken away but like yeah i guess jesus is the only irreducible central point that can withstand um i mean the weight of being like nobody nothing else can hold that only only christ can hold all of those things um yeah what, so yeah I, mean, I was just thinking and this is a little bit of a pivot i guess but um it was an insight from Tolkien in Lord of the Rings. What's the bread called that the elves give to? Is it Limbus bread or something? Yeah, Do you Limbus know, Mike? bread. Yeah, Limbus. Um, but I remember in the books, there was a part where he, he and it's like a super quick little insight that he, he talks about, but like, do, is it Merry and Pippin that eat a bunch of it or something like that? Or maybe they're <laughs> warned against it. But if you eat it like regular bread, like if you just just consume it like crazy it doesn't satisfy you but if you if it's like done like received properly then one bite will sustain you for days in the books which is i i was that was interesting i was just relating it there um because it is interesting and i remember used like i used to think about that of before i really had any words i had had like encounters with Jesus in, in the Eucharist. Um, but it is intriguing of, it's also possible, you know, because I think we've seen it observed that like, yeah, I mean, someone can walk into a Catholic church, you know, and, and not be moved like whatsoever, you know, they can walk right by the tabernacle and there's no, like, at least like felt thing, which is, oh, it's okay. Like you can walk right by it and and like not realize the presence of god there in in any way and that's just i remember kind of being intrigued by that of like how the heck does this work like what is what is happening here because there's no like magic superpower to it or anything um like that so like I said, a little bit of a shift there, but I've always just kind of found that um, intriguing of, I, I, I was relating to kind of what Connor was saying there too, of like there is this um, this notion of like the vulnerability of God, like in the Eucharistic elements that are, are just there, like they're just sitting there. 
but like can you walk right by it yeah i mean you you can um and so there's i don't know there's just something like totally uncontrollable like in this in this mysterious thing that like we have to be drawn into it of like i think you said connor of even when we consume it like we're being drawn drawn into it or him mm-hmm. i remember one time i think megan miller was giving like a catechism class to some to a parish she was working at and she was telling me this story how she took the kids into the church and explained the whole tabernacle is where the eucharist is reserved and how that all works and so jesus is in there and some little girl asks how does he, how does he fit in there or so, something some child like question and <clears throat> there's something about i can't remember exactly what the kid had asked but it, it brought a tear to my eye because i was thought i thought man if they get that you know because they're still children they can sort of credulous and can take it take megan's word <laughs> as it is, you know, be like, okay, yeah, Jesus is in that box somehow. Um, but if they can make that leap with their imagination to see like, it's true, it's objective and have it penetrate their subjective minds, like it will change your life. It will t- completely um, draw you in and be the bedrock of, of, of your life and your decisions and what's, what you value, what's important. Um, and I think it was because like as a grown man, like it, it had done that to me, you know, um, and just the idea of a child understanding or getting a glimpse of it uh, was so beautiful. And when you're talking about subjective versus objective, I'm thinking also something Baron talked about in Doctrine of God, St. Anselm's quote ontological proof um, that that then which nothing greater can be thought, ex- you know, must exist because it would it to exist is to be greater than simply to to not exist or be an image in your mind and it's like not a very convincing proof um to modern people because we we think of objective as physical material things you can observe and measure but what anselm is a monk is saying is that uh god is who transcends the division between objective and subjective so he's perfectly objective, meaning what you're saying, like the center of everything that is, it's this immovable uh, ground of being that we don't manipulate, we don't like uh, appropriate into our own ability to understand or, or sense. It just, he just is. And we approach him from all these subjective angles and perspectives and experiences. And we may not feel Jesus in the Eucharist when we walk by a tabernacle because our our intellects and our hearts aren't formed to receive it. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that he objectively is. Um, but we do, the subjective still matters, you know? And I think that's the, that's the McLuhan thing is like, in order for you to have the object of what, what's being communicated um, come into you, for you to receive it, you, your subjective experience has to be conformed to reality, you know? And that that's where you get a lot of mischief is that reality, what I was talking about before we got on the air, reality is not up to us. Um, that's just such an important experience for one to have. And it's, a, but it's a subjective experience where you like, you think reality is one way. You think you are one way. And then you come like when I went to confession as a teenager and all of a sudden I had this experience of God's mercy 
And I'm like, oh, that's okay. What I just, that's real. Okay. <laughs> what I was living before I thought was real, but it's not. And like, this is the first experience of, of actual being, actually being known and loved. Uh, and it was, you know, behind a screen in this dark little, <laughs> you know, pod. But what I, what happened in there was truly human. And I've been living a lie, you know, hmm. um, or, you know, more mundane examples where it's just like, I thought, I thought something was one way. And then I, I go and look up at, look closer. And I, I see that that wasn't the way it was. Um, yeah. so I, I think when you, when you're trying to like argue with a relativistic worldview or culture, it's not enough. It, it just rings not true to most people. When you go shout on Twitter, there's an objective truth and everybody just needs to get along with, you know, get on our side because Christ is the way, the truth and the life. And if you don't get that, then that's on you. You know, like the gospel, it's no use to people if they can't receive it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because all their, yeah, it, it, it's like shouting the words of the Bible and hoping that, yeah, or just like, like get this magic to work. Do do your thing, Jesus. You know, right. and it's like, that. that's just not, he's so personal. He He's, he's not, uh, you're trying to use him. You're trying to use him exactly. for the things that you think are good. And you can and turn the Bible used. Yeah. You can turn the Bible. You can t- even tur- try to turn the Eucharist into a propaganda tool, but it, yeah. it doesn't work. Or even just like to, I would like less mischief than like propaganda as well. But I remember, and this is a critique of me because probably how I received it, not of um, focus. And I have no idea if they do this, but I remember there was a, a while when I worked for them like years and years ago there was um it some type of like recording system for a while of like how many gospel presentations you had made in a week of like the five point gospel thing and i remember then it always just kind of sat with me wrong and again this would be in my own immaturity i think definitely of understanding it because the i think the impetus behind it was like getting out of your comfort zone and actually like talking about Jesus to people. But I received it in like, Oh, I guess I have to try and just like say these words in this five point, like gospel presentation so many times each week for it to be a good week. And, um, but I just remember it, it didn't sit well with me then because there was this notion of like, well, like, yeah, there's power. I do believe in like talking about Jesus. Um, but to just say words can sometimes just be that as well Mm. of like, I can't just say like these things as like sound coming out of my mouth and then check it off and be done with it. Like that's not, I preached the gospel today. Exactly. I mean, and that's a huge temptation though. And that's wrong. That's an inhuman thing to talk about that. Um, And just to be able to say, okay, like, well, I I said the gospel presentation um, to this person, so I'm done. Like, check, done. Mm-hmm. That well, is it's funny too having having missionaries doing doing that very thing right now. Um, it, it's amazing that it it does work sometimes, and sure. it's almost like it's surprising to them mm-hmm. uh, because it is somehow God uses that medium um, for sure. For sure, and but yeah. I, I, you can also you can also do that over and over and over again and get no 
make no headway. Um, so it, it, even that, if you're doing it and it's a good method, uh, when done right, it, it's still not, it's not a technique, you know, it's, it's like, it's as much for the one doing the presenting as it is for the one being presented to, you know, yeah. because if it's an authentic way to be drawn into communion, like I'm saying, if you're communicating, not just words, but yourself and your most intimate, important belief about the world and about God and sharing it out of love because I want you to be drawn into this with me. That's a totally different thing. And even if they don't receive it, it's an objectively good thing to do. But yeah. if it is just propaganda, um, then yeah, it's like it's like those guys that would come on the quad once a year and hold up their, their like bunch of gospel or a bunch of Bible quotes about how such and such people are going to hell and they just stand there and get yelled at by by angry college kids and they thought to themselves I did my job they heard the truth so if they go to hell that's on them you right. like, there's, there's no love here there's nothing I don't see Jesus in this I see propaganda yeah yeah and I get that that's not to say and maybe this is just a caveat it's not to say in any way shape or form is like barehanding or um, like street corner preaching wrong or bad or anything like that. I think it's, I think it's legit awesome to see that stuff. Uh, and it takes a lot of courage, but the thing that allows people to see Christ in it is not necessarily the, just saying the words and repeating, repeating things over and over and hoping that, you know, magic drops out of the sky and, and changes folks. There's, there always has to be an element of love there. And so if you're trying to communicate Christ without the spirit of love, like you're saying, you're just using it. That That's not actually Jesus that's being manifested there. And well, you could say, too, day, like, like Jesus has to show up there. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing, too. Oh, yeah. the, like the irreducible medium is like he himself has to show up then, yep. like yep. to the person. Um, so, yeah, it's a awesome discipline, like the whole Hennessy thing of disciplining your life around your committed love of like, yeah, to be about evangelization and wanting people to know him. That's barehanding. Yeah. Street preaching, whatever it is like really, really profoundly powerful and cool disciplines. Um, but it's not like just a, a formula, right. Or a strategy, um, to say, okay, I'm done because I said this, these words or like to even you know, like this, you know, this combination of, of noises came out of my mouth. So check, you know, <laughs> there. Well, there you yeah. are reducing the medium. That's, that's <clears throat> it in a nutshell. Like somehow there's something sublime and true being communicated with vibrations in the air. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a medium. Yeah. Literally like in the scientific sense, but what's real, man, is, is the truth. And that's where like the closest thing you can get in this world to bare naked truth is the Eucharist. And, uh, Hmm. man, when, I think when you, when you see that it changes everything. Yeah. Changes everything. Yeah. Did I ever tell you all the story when I was in Jerusalem and I got, uh, confronted by a, a, I guess non-denominational. No, he's probably Baptist street preacher, and he kind of berated me pretty good. <laughs> I, I was living with you at the time, so I've heard it. But yes, 
<laughs> Have you ever heard this, Connor? No, is it quick? Yeah, it is. It is quick. It is quick. He just he came up and he had like a whole posse of of friends and we started talking and I saw that he was American and he uh, found out that I was Catholic and he just dove right into like trying to kung fu chop my my faith and and uh, was like pretty aggressive about it and it was. <laughs> I know I was by myself, I think. Yeah, I was by myself and I I just felt I felt attacked, like I was being attacked. And so I just kind of stopped him and I was like, dude, I love what you're doing, man. Like street preaching is it's super awesome and like spreading the word of Jesus and everything. But like I, I gotta tell you, like I love Jesus and I believe in him, but I can feel like you're trying to trap me and I can feel myself like getting angry at you. And so maybe <laughs> I need to watch my language here, but maybe you need to just not be such a butt. And I use, <laughs> a, use, a, use a different word than that. Like, I really appreciate what you're doing, but I got to tell you, man, it's like having the opposite effect of, I'm assuming what you want. It's like an encounter with Jesus and yeah, being led into communion with love and I just feel like I'm being attacked by you. <laughs> so I don't know what that means for you, but I'm going to leave now. I just, and I just need want you to, to know, know that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do what you're doing, but try to, you know, not just like try to love people, but. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, be conformed to what you say you believe first. I mean, that's... Yeah. Well, allow Christ to be present in the words that you speak. You can't say love without love, like the authentic expression of love with it or yeah it is a type of duplicity you're trying to use you're trying to use god and and he just he won't be used like that that's a fact that's a fact jack Mm -hmm. fact check fact check him dude fact check is the eucharist irreducible (laughs) uh hey bro i fact checked you just now on google and it turns out you're fake news Uh oh (laughs) All right, guys. Good talk. Good talk. Yeah. I think we figured it out. Yep. So if anybody doesn't believe in Jesus after this podcast, it's on them. (laughs) (laughs) This is the season finale or series finale. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Love you guys. Love you, man. man. See ya. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.